So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that brings you interviews with people at the forefront of consulting profession, sharing their own perspectives, tips and resources they picked up along the way. Today we're joined by Ariana Friedlander, I hope I pronounced that correctly this time, uh, who is a leadership development expert and the founder of Rosabella Consulting. Uh, She's a TEDx speaker, published author, and we're very glad to have her on the show. So welcome to the show, Ariana. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. It's great to be here and be a part of the amazing lineup you've got. And I think you you bring a, an interesting dimension uh, to the conversation here. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to digging in here. But why don't we start off with uh, a unique approach uh, or, or strategy uh, that you think other consultants uh, should really know about, um, but maybe they don't yet? Yeah, yeah, that is uh, such a tricky question to think of an answer for because it's easy to think, oh, everyone already knows everything. And that even response from myself, I realized was my inner critic speaking. And I think one of the things that's really important for consultants and entrepreneurs and leaders to develop a ability around is discerning between the voice of your inner critic and what I call the voice of your inner genius. Um, You know, one will guide you out of fear, uh, is a lot of chatter, really holds you back. And sometimes it can seem like it's the rational thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's the uh, best way to grow your business or to stand out from the crowd. Uh, But it is all coming from a place of fear. It can just dress up in different ways that make it seem like it's rational. Uh, whereas the voice of your inner critic, or sorry, the voice of your inner genius is is that innate wisdom that we all possess. It, it kind of comes from deeper within. It's those times an idea comes to you and you don't know where it came from. Uh, so you're not really consciously forcing the thought as much as allowing it to arise within you. And uh, yeah, it's really, I think, valuable to learn how to distinguish between those two different voices that we can experience as we are leading ourselves and our businesses. Would you say when you describe the the inner genius, to me, it sounds like something that oftentimes we don't recognize in ourselves so easily. And we have to ask our friends to say, you know, what, what is it about me that you really appreciate or sets me apart from other people? I think that that's, yeah, I think that's true. I think it's those things that we take for granted, you know, as I remember when I started out in my business early on, you know, I've been doing this for 11 years now. And there was a time where I realized certain things are really easy for me to do. And I felt bad getting paid for them. (laughs) Uh, And I thought I should have to, you know, I should have to work hard for the money my clients are paying me. And to realize that those things that come naturally, that come more easily to me are the things I should be selling. You know, that's, that is where I should be providing services and support, not the things that I have to work really hard at. Um, it, that actually is not where I have the most value to, to add. And so, yeah, I think those things that kind of might come easily might seem obvious. And again, you know, just those times where, uh, you know, like a a lot of people get their best thoughts when they're in their shower or whatnot, or you're going for a walk, like those times when, when you're just really listening and letting things percolate and arise from within is very different. 
Um, th- there is something also that you also mentioned as I was listening to a previous interview of yours is where uh, it, early on in your career, you experienced like a lack of buy-in from some of the clients you were working with. So I'm quite curious about how that's gone on to inform sort of the way that you now work differently. Like how, what was that? What was that pivot? Like, can you describe that a little bit for us? Yeah, I think that that's all tied together. That's a very perceptive of you to recognize there being a connection between this awareness within uh, and how to provide services with others. And so I think when I was in that place of trying to do things for other people, and in this instance, early on in my business, I was asked to develop uh, business development plans for small small growing businesses. That's where they said, we've seen you have this skill. You've done this before. We want you to do this for us. And so I would work really hard on developing these plans for people and strategies and uh, get really anxious and nervous because they couldn't control what they would actually do. And that's where I struggled to kind of get some buy-in in that area. Uh, because I would see, you know, okay, well, if you're going to grow your business, here's here's one thing that if you don't do, you're not going to successfully grow it. And then they wouldn't do it. And there was nothing I could do about it. And so I really shifted from giving people answers to co-creating with my clients. And instead of me having all of the answers for them, it's really about bringing forward their own inner genius or innate wisdom and, and creating that space where they have the permission to listen to themselves. And then they develop the skills to listen to themselves on demand (laughs) Uh, and to bring that wisdom forward. And so that shifts things tremendously. And now I co-create with my clients all the time and it becomes their idea. So they have buy-in. So they're excited. Uh, and it's not me telling them what to do. There are times where I might have to nudge them or you know, say, uh, say something I'm seeing, make sure that what I'm seeing, they are aware of. But at the end of the day, if they're not committed to the actions that need to be taken, it doesn't matter what I'd say to them. So I really have to pull forward those next steps from them. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm curious about that. Like, what are some good ways of transitioning from that situation is I think it's very easy for people, especially in consulting, to fall into that trap of like, okay, I have all the answers, here's all your answers. And and to shift that from a position where it's more about, okay, we're coming to the answer together. We're collaborating on this on this process together. Are there any were there any useful sort of I don't know, frameworks that you use or or just ways of framing conversations or, or ways of approaching things that helped you? Yeah, I think so. Definitely uh, a, a lot of ideas just came to mind to answer yeah. that question. So I'll try to focus in on just a one or two. But um, as far as a framework that comes to mind, there is a program based on the neuroscience of conversation called Conversational Intelligence that uh, has been really eye-opening for me as a professional, as well as a coach, and that I use and teach my clients. And, and so the first really overarching piece of that framework, uh, and this is all based on the latest research in neuroscience, is that if you want to really have influence on other people, you actually have to be open to influence yourself. 
And so it's counterintuitive, right? You think, oh, I'm advocating for a position or I want to get buy-in for this idea. So I need to really pitch it well. I really need to, you know, come up with it or like the way we might prepare for um, conversations where we come up with, you know, we, we kind of script out how the conversation is going to go in our heads where you think, oh, I'm going to say this and then they're going to respond with that. And, then, and it's like this tit for tat that we script and then it never works because, the other person isn't following the script we wrote, <laughs> you know? And so it really is starting from that place of just being open, being curious, embracing a beginner's mindset. And, and I think that that can be really hard for consultants, right? Because we're supposed to be the experts. And so we're supposed to know. And, um, and so, but there's things that we don't know, you know, there's things that our clients do know, and we have to honor and celebrate and recognize that. And I think it's our egos and our inner critics that say, oh, no, no, you have to know everything. You have to have it all figured out. You have to have all the answers. They're not going to value you if you don't. And it's just not true. People actually value and feel valued when you recognize that they have something to bring to the table and you're going to honor that and you're going to incorporate that. Um, So those are some of my initial thoughts. Yeah. So I, I guess having sort of an inquisitive nature, um, finding, you know, the strengths, the, the, the strengths of an organization or a client that you're dealing with, understanding where, yeah, where that lies and, and how to really leverage that and make, and make the most of it in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, so that's a, you know, so that's, that's a good kind of, thing to bear in mind, you know, thinking about, um, you know, you don't have all the answers to all, all the uh, problems out there um, and having that kind of co-creation process or, 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 you know, journey with your, with your clients. I'm curious, like, can you point to any um, particular resources, whether they're related to that or, or that you, but that you've just found like have had a big impact on your, your professional career and development? Uh, yeah, I think that the one resource that I will point to is journal, my journal, journaling. You know, I think that that is such a simple, simple tool um, that often, you know, can be easily overlooked or not recognized for how powerful it is. Uh, it, but really, it's it's a practice. And so when you develop the practice of, of journaling and you do it, so it works for you. That's one of the things that I found for myself. And I always, when I use um, journaling with clients, which I do very often, I teach workshops around journaling with clients. I always say journaler's choice, you know, you have to find the right way to journal for you. And so for me, my journaling practice is this combination of stream of consciousness, writing, problem solving, ideating, organizing, planning. Uh, there, it's just, there's a little bit of everything. And so it's kind of taking some of the ideas around bullet journaling that have, I think, popularized journaling in the last few years. Uh, so, you know, I take some of those practices, but I make them work for me. And it really, for me, it's all about having it on paper. Um, it helps. I, there's just something that I know shifts in my brain when I get on a screen. And it's like this trance that I enter into. And so, you know, I take the time to plan things out on paper in my journal first. And I prioritize and I organize my ideas and my thoughts and my plans for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. You know, I do that all on on paper. 
And then I keep it out next to me. I have it right next to me right now, open to you know my plans for today, for this week. And I use that as a reference to keep myself focused on the priorities and on what's really important. Uh, I think that it's a super powerful tool and it's great because you can make it work for you. And I have some clients that do journal digitally and that works for them. So yeah. I'm not saying you have to do paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, uh, for a long time I've, I've struggled with journaling. Uh, I've never really kept it up. I, I've always known it's something I probably should be doing, like it would be helpful. Uh, but I actually found that it was only recently when, maybe like in the last year or two, when I started seeing these tools that were digital tools, like that were basically outliners. And in essence, you're just putting thoughts down in bullet point format. Uh, probably the most well-known one of these is called Rome Research. Are you familiar with it? Have you heard of it? I'm not. Yeah. Check it out. Um, and Rome Research is quite clever. It ha- also has this sort of ability to do backlinking. So basically you can create nodes of thoughts and then uh, connect them together. And it shows you this like pretty mind map, you know, with lots of different nodes that point to each other. So a visual representation of that. But actually for me, it was just the fact, it was just the fact that it was just so seamless, you know, to just get your thoughts down uh, in such a quick way. And then to be able to actually see the stream as well and just scroll through the the dates and kind of go back to like, oh, this is what I was doing on on the 3rd of March or whatever. Yeah. You know? um, That's so fantastic that yeah. you've done that for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So so it's some, it's kind of a practice I've sort of rediscovered. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is uh, actually quite quite neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the other practical application I found that for that as well is uh, being able to uh, basically create sort of like, like a node, a page for a particular person, uh, and then being able to reference them on certain dates. And that way I can just, the next time I talk to them, I can just go to that page and say, oh, I spoke to them on exactly this day. At this time, we spoke about exactly this thing. Um, so yeah, kind of kind of an interesting area to explore. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a, a really powerful tool. And, and yeah, I think it is always about finding what works best for you. And Anytime we can get our ideas out of our head and onto uh, something visual, it, it shifts the dynamics of, of our interaction with them. And um, I think also lets us, again, it's that like distinguishing between your inner genius and your inner critic too. When you start, you know, when you put your inner critic down on the page, you look at it and it's kind of like, oh, well, this is it's a little bit silly. Um <laughs> That's that's kind of ridiculous, or you know, it just it takes that power away a little bit. It becomes like an equalizer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's so so. There we have it. We've got you know journaling as well. Um, I'm curious uh, with the with the clients that you deal with. Like, do you do you tend to see some common patterns come up uh, over time and time again, where you know tools like journaling or co-creation, um, you know, work together quite well? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's it, we are pattern-making machines as humans, um, just like we're story-making machines too in our brains. And so, yes, I definitely see common patterns. And in fact, I would say the common patterns are often something around self-sabotage, you know, that the, that clients have an element of, um, of inadvertently sabotaging their abilities to succeed in their work. Um, and it might be something that they've been in the same position for years and they were doing great. And then they had some personal trauma occur. 
And because of that personal trauma, they went to therapy, they've, you know, done these things to heal, but for whatever reason, none of that has helped them show up in, in their strength. And, and as the leader, as the manager, as um, the team player that they want to be. And so they, um, you know, in meetings or in conversations with colleagues might be prone to arguing. Uh, they might start yelling inadvertently. They might just shut down completely and have something really important to say, but not know how to say it and not know, uh, feel confident in their abilities to say it. And they've gotten to a point where they're worried it's going to be career limiting. You know, they might not get advancement opportunities. They might even lose their position. Um, if they're the CEO and founder of a company, um, they're afraid that it's going to impact their retention, you know, that that people um, in their team and the company might not stay if they stay in that place that isn't benefiting everyone and isn't showing up as the as the leader they want to be. So I think that's that's the primary pattern. And yes, journaling. Um, or any tool really that deepens self-awareness in an authentic way, uh, that presence of being able to see in the moment. Um, you know, I think Brene Brown has popularized this notion of the story I'm telling myself, right? That ability to see the story you're telling yourself, to recognize the thoughts that you're having uh, is, is really important for shifting out of those times when we get stuck in self-sabotage like that, because it's a pattern. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, when 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 you find people in that position, are there do you find any particular common mis misconceptions that people make about uh, you know getting out of that kind of situation? Are there are there you know some common traps that people tend to to fall into? Thinking are there are, are there any like again like are there any kind of patterns where maybe. With just with that added self awareness, they can kind of go recognize things like that. Are there other? I that's a like really that? interesting question, and it's definitely giving me pause to think about. And I I would say maybe one of the traps um, that I think people do get stuck in is uh, is just making assumptions that this is just the way I am, or um, or making an assumption that 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 there's an element of how they were raised that they don't recognize is uh, really laying the foundation for where they're at right now and can be changed. Um, I, I don't think that a lot of times my clients even can recognize that that is going on. And, you know, I've one client that I've been working with for a while that was in that position of like, I, you know, just keeps arguing, just keeps arguing with people. And uh, it was, you know, really not helping because she wants to be more collaborative, right? And so like, who wants to collaborate with a person that always has to be right? <laughs> like no one. <laughs> um, and she gets that. She totally does. But it wasn't until we started working together after years of therapy and other things that she did that she realized this pattern for argu arguing came out of her childhood and, and, you know, the dynamics of her household and the way she was raised. And so just within the first session, that like awareness and, and just being able to bring that, bring people along to see that, to see those linkages as, you know, a cause and effect that they have the ability to mold 
and reshape uh, is, I think, one area that maybe people don't realize. But then quickly after we start working together, it becomes like this exciting opportunity above and beyond what they initially wanted. Yeah, because basically it's uh, it's an opportunity for for change and growth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's um, an opportunity for taking back control. Yeah, you know, because I think that that's the other thing that I see is you know there are so many instances where we feel this loss of control, and uh, there are things happening in the world that make us feel that way, and there are things happening in our own lives that make us feel that way, and and that is really demoralizing. And so to be able to recognize, oh, actually, there is something within your control here, and I'm going to make it very obvious for you what that is and how to how to reclaim that control. Um, well, one of the practices I, I occasionally pick up with with journaling, journaling relating to this is, uh, you know, I tend to try and identify limiting beliefs I have. And so I'll have like a page that just has those limiting beliefs uh, and then Every now and then, I'll, I'll try and sort of, you know, go a little bit deeper and say, okay, well, what what's what is my inner critic, as you you know, as as you mentioned, you know, saying to myself, and how can I replace that self talk with something that's actually going to be a little bit more, you know, helpful um, in the long run, um, and and sometimes those are just like fleeting thoughts, and I, you know, just put them down, forget about it, but I'll come back to it later, and I'll go, oh look, I wrote all this stuff about it, I completely forgot all this. Um, that's, that's one I use There's another one. Um, I don't know if you come across this. It's, uh, it's, uh, called, it's, um, a practice that a chap called, uh, Richard Feynman, a, a Nobel prize winning physicist, um, who he, he had something he, he called, uh, 12 favorite problems. Um, and so these are just, um, basically like, uh, problems that he's constantly noodling over, you know, that you're, you're constantly thinking of and trying to find solutions to. Um, and so he'll just basically take, uh, he'll just have these, you know, 12 problems written down and, and on his mind so that every now and then when he identifies something that could possibly help or, or help with that, that problem, that, that conundrum that he's been thinking of all, all this time, uh, you know, he'll, he'll basically test those hypotheses. Um, so those, those are some, some tools I kind of came across. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. And I think, yeah, anytime we, uh, you know, just use journaling, like, you know, for the physicist example, I, I joke and sometimes call like, oh, my journal's the field notes for my life. And it does help to just start, you know, when you start writing something down, then you come back and you revisit and you add things and you, you modify and you test, right? Like, you know, we do just have a lot of uh, assumptions that we're making and scientists call those hypotheses, but we call them assumptions and uh, they're very similar in nature. Um, but yeah, we, we go out, we do things, we, we experiment, we explore, we bring those lessons learned back and, and iterate, right. Change, grow, adjust. And I think that does tie into with the, you know, like you said, those limiting beliefs, um, that we, we all carry and to, again, just put them, you know, put them down on, on the paper, put them, make them visual, you know, there's a powerful step to then shift that. Okay. I don't have to believe this. Well, what am I going to believe instead? You know, what, how might I rewrite this limiting belief? I always talk about limiting beliefs and limiting practices being something we can turn into an empowering belief and an empowering practice. And that just is a drastic shift in the dynamics. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so finally, so as as we come towards the end of of this of this interview, this episode, I'd love for you to share with people where they can find out more about the work you're doing, uh, where they can connect with you online. Is there a good place for them to to find? Yeah, definitely. Uh, best way is to go on to my website, rosabellaconsulting.com. And so you can uh, sign up to get my latest blog posts um, where I share insight about how to like shift from self-sabotage to being in control again. Um, and uh, also on LinkedIn, you can find me. I am the only Ariana Friedlander on LinkedIn. So. Right. Well, um, Ariana, this has been a pleasure having you on the show and, and thanks for bringing up uh, some topics that I don't think we've ever really addressed here before. So, Okay. <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad that this um, conversation has added something unique to the uh, lineup that you have there. So thanks for having me. Cheers.